The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Well, now, the name you couldn't have avoided over the weekend if you tried was that of Gary Lineker. If you miss the story or know it well, uh, we'll get an update from uh, London-based reporter Vincent McAvinney. Vincent, good morning. Good morning. So, um, Gary Lineker tweets uh, comparing the uh, Tories' attitude to boating people across the Channel, migrants, uh, to the kind of thing that National Socialism would have done in the 1930s and got himself suspended for his tweet. That's uh, what gave rise to, if you like, uh, a solidarity strike by pundits and presenters over the weekend, leaving the BBC's sports coverage barren. Yeah, an outage like no other. Gary Lineker had criticised more specifically the language used. He compared it to 1930s Germany, citing a, a German professor of history. Now, that happened early in the week on Tuesday. And then by Friday, there had been sort of sluggish movement and we think negotiations behind the scenes between Gary Lineker and BBC bosses. And then they just suddenly announced that they were uh, pulling him effectively off uh, of match of the day. Now, that then led to chaos on Saturday as one by one, the presenters of uh, football focus and final score pulled out the BBC having to shove on repeats of Bargain Hunt uh, and uh, other programmes, five live commentators and presenters also then started walking out, they had to go to pre-recorded programmes and the same things happened on Sunday, so this is an unprecedented uh, outage of football coverage, one of the key public service aims of the BBC uh, across the weekend as this has rumbled on and and people uh, across uh, the UK were quite frustrated by this whole incident. It was a slightly quiet news weekend domestically and it seemed to really dominate all the conversations Mm. over the weekend. Lots of clubs and players as well refusing to take part in interviews with the BBC at the weekend because of how it was handled. Yeah. Now, interesting that match of the day on Saturday night uh, got 500,000 more viewers (laughs) than normal. It shows how people are very curious about chaos. Yeah, that's right. And it was, you know, quite a weird programme. It didn't have the usual titles and theme at the top. It just uh, had match footage uh, and then sort of introductory graphics between each match. I think that was just people tuning in to see what it would actually be like. The conversation this morning, the word is at uh, the BBC uh, from sources that uh, talks with the presenter moving in the right direction. I think what we're likely to see in the next 24 and 48 hours is that Gary Lineker will be once again uh, allowed to present programming on the BBC, but there will be a review on what people who work for the BBC as freelancers like he uh, like he is can say on their own social media platforms whilst they host a regular uh, position broadcasting on the BBC. Yeah. Now, the, the problem, I suppose, from the optics of all of this is that the uh, top dogs in the BBC are seen to be dyed-in-the-wool Tories. I mean, the director general, I believe he ran for the Tory party. The chairman uh, got his job under dodgy circumstances, having secured an £800,000 loan for uh, Boris Johnson. Uh, uh, You know, (laughs) then he ends up as chair of the BBC. Um, That's really the background to all of this. Yeah, the BBC, as your listeners will know, is the UK's public service broadcaster. At its core, it has to be impartial. And there has been, I think, a bit of a pushback this weekend because in terms of impartiality, many people will argue 
that it seems okay for it to swing towards the right-hand side, but if someone expresses a left-wing view, they sort of get piled on by the British newspapers and it becomes something deemed much worse. And comments from the likes of Andrew Neil, uh, from Jeremy Clarkson, from Alan Sugar have come out in, in, in the last couple of days where you know they were allowed to continue broadcasting on the BBC. And as you mentioned, that current BBC management, there is a whiff uh, that they are from conservative backgrounds uh, and that is deemed to be okay. And then it adds to the idea as well that, well, because of their affiliations, the government's leaned on them. They've then taken this action with Gary Lineker and they've come down on him much harder than they would uh, if he was, say, a conservative saying, I really like this new asylum scheme. Um, so that mm. is what is causing chaos, really, for BBC yeah. management. They've also been quite sluggish in the way that they have responded to all of this. And they preside over a newsroom and a news organisation. They seem to be caught off guard by the pace of news and how you have to get out in front of something like this. Yeah, well, uh, Tim Davies, the DG, was in Washington. He wasn't on site, as it were. Um, the, the chairman, though, is being investigated anyway about the nature of his appointment. And uh, even on the BBC's own programming yesterday, there was a, the question was raised how come this guy, the chair, is still in his job even though he's been investigated? Surely he should stand aside during the investigation while Gary Lineker has been suspended. He's, you know, taken out of his job while the other fella, the chair, is still doing his. Exactly. Richard Sharp, who himself has donated um, a significant portions of money to the Conservative Party before he was in this role, he then, of course, facilitated this £800,000 loan for Boris Johnson whilst he was Prime Minister and applying for the job of chairperson. Uh, and then he didn't sort of declare in his application that he had done that. So the allegations there, uh, you know, are pretty damning. And I think it just looks so bad for the BBC, for anyone who is, uh, you know, thinking that it, it needs to have at its core sort of fairness, it needs to be seen and perceived uh, crucially to be impartial, uh, that, to, you know, Richard Sharp in his appearance for Parliament just doesn't still seem to get that this is going to prejudice how people view the BBC. But many people think that it is right, perhaps, that he does step back whilst this investigation is going on further. Vincent, thank you very much uh, for that update. We're uh, expecting white smoke, if that's the right term, uh, from uh, the BBC uh, later on in the day. And it's expected also that Gary Lineker will resume his uh, job next weekend under what constraints uh, only time will tell. Well, now, in studio with me is the host of the Koi Gig podcast, uh, Off the Ball's own Kathleen McNamee. Kathleen, good morning. Morning, Pat. You were watching Ireland, Scotland, were you? At oh, Robert I was. Through yeah. the first half, kind of through my hand because it was quite tense. It was very tense. I, I was on my feet most of the time, pacing up and down rather than, uh, you know, sitting, relaxing, enjoying it. The scoreline uh, possibly flatters Ireland a bit at the end because uh, Scotland probably deserved more than a meagre seven. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they were kind of the nearly men of the entire game, especially towards the end of that first half when it was still 8-7 to Ireland. They had a good few chances to get themselves over the line. You kind of feel like at that stage, if they had managed to get a try or two, the second half might have been a little bit different. Um, But I mean, Jameson Gibson Park, when he came on, he made an absolutely massive difference. I think a lot of people have been complimentary and rightly so of Conor Murray this tournament, but it was just the pace of the ball that Gibson Park was Mm -hmm. putting out just gave us a totally different level. Um, 
Um, and I think it was quite funny listening to the players after the game because even they could feel the chaos of the match. You know, Andy Farrell said at halftime they almost went in laughing, not knowing what was going on in the pitch because it was just such yeah. a struggle. And I mean, with the injuries as well, Keen Healy having to come on and play hooker and the way that the team had to... Josh Van, Van Der Fleer throwing uh, for much of the second half. Yeah. I mean, extraordinary stuff. It was absolutely mad. And I think it's only this morning when people are looking back on the game, can we actually appreciate how crazy the game was because mm. as you say it was hectic when we were actually watching it and um, the big one for next week now against England will be the injuries obviously we saw yeah. Gary Ringrose England were humiliated by France they were they were humiliated I mean 53-10 the sort of scoreline that if you saw it you think it was put up against Italy or Georgia not the sort of performance you'd expect from England I don't know though if this, they have seven days now to kind of smart over that loss. And, and we have only six with all our injuries. Uh, now, we have a certain depth in the squad, but, um, you know, we, we lost Thigburn earlier uh, for th- these two matches. Uh, hopefully he'll recover in time for the World Cup, but um, a lot of attrition. Yeah, a lot of attrition. I mean, the main ones, we said Gary Ringrose, he definitely won't be back after that big hit that he took. Caelan Doris, mm. Dan Sheehan, Ian Henderson also probably won't be back because he broke his wrist during the game and then Ronan Kelleher as well. So, I mean, it's a lot of injuries. Yeah. We showed yesterday that we do have the strength and depth and even if it is taking Keane Healy or Josh Van de Fleer out of position, they can do it. But not exactly how you want to be going into a Grand Slam finale weekend. Yeah, it'll be uh, fascinating. I mean, if it's done and done in the Aviva, what a day that will be it'll be the first time ever that Ireland mm. win a Grand Slam on home turf ok uh, Premier League um, Arsenal top of the table still yeah very comprehensive win for them they beat Fulham 3-0 in that London derby uh, I mean it was a great game Martinelli Gabriel and Odegaard getting the goals there they just looked like a winning team. You know, they had the three goals in the first half and then they just had to see out the second half. Oh. Also, Arsenal fans would be happy to see Gabriel Jesus back on his feet once again. Yeah, and then we had uh, United uh, drawing with Southampton. They should have won that game, but they were down to 10 men early on. So Yeah, Casemiro got sent off. Second red card, so that means he's banned for the next four games. Uh, Eric Ten Hag particularly unhappy with the use of VAR in that game. Uh, he said it's been very inconsistent and he also thought that United should have had a couple of penalties um, and the referee didn't go back to VR. It was Anthony Taylor and United have had their problems with him in the past as well and have asked him not to be on their game so it'll be interesting to see if they do go to Big Mull and have a mm-hmm. bit more of a complaint about him. Okay, in the women's game? Yeah, so Man United and Chelsea faced off in the WSL title race. Uh, Chelsea came out on top there 1-0. Sam Kerr scored. A lot less hectic than the last time the two teams met but it just puts Chelsea in a great place to win mm-hmm. the title. And finally, any surprises in GAA action over the weekend? No, Nothing too much. Uh, kind of the teams that you expect to come out on top all came out on top. Good performances from Cork, Kilkenny and Wexford. Kathleen, thank you very much for joining us. Kathleen McNamee from Off The Ball. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.